0: Hi guys, welcome to today's episode. It's Amelia, your resident Gen Z slash millennial, whatever day you want to take it. And uh, we today are talking about honeybees. And we have two Fionas here, Fiona Gen X and my mum, Fiona Gen X. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, mum. Hi. Thanks for being here.
1: Oh, that's okay. I think Tell us
0: a bit about yourself.
1: Well, I'm a 52-year-old farmer the, out in the Central West and I am not a farmer's wife. I am an actual farmer. Um, I grew up in a little town called Hermedale. Uh I made the big move to the Big Smoke at Gate, so the population doubled coming to Gate with 200 people living in the town. Um, yeah, I married a farmer, obviously, over here at Gate, and uh, have been farming here for 30-plus years.
0: One of my uh, favorite stories from Mum, because she's a very hard farm worker, was one time there was a, a older gentleman in the township of Bogengate who came to Mum and said, "Ah, oh, three daughters, because I'm one of three girls. Who's going to take over the farm?" And what did you say to him, Mum?
1: Well, I got this asked this question every time I went to field days, which a lot of women didn't go to field days back in those days. And I've got really sick of a repetitive question. So I waited until like the mayor of the town said to me, when are you going to have a boy, Fiona? And I just simply said, you don't need a dick to run a farm. (laughs) Never got to ask that question ever again. That is
2: brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fiona, what makes you a Gen X?
1: Oh, I'm not really sure. I um, uh, I don't even know what a Gen X is to be honest. But uh, if it's got to do with hoarding things, I don't throw anything out, and I just uh, seem to rock up and start talking to random people wherever I am. If that's a Gen X trait, well, that's me. Is it? I don't know.
2: Yes, the confidence. For yeah. sure. I
1: know a
0: bit about how you got into beekeeping, but I'm sure our listeners would love to hear. How did you first become interested in beekeeping? And how did you end up with your first hive?
1: Well, I didn't ever have a light bulb moment of, but oh, I'm mad passionate about bees. <laughs> I've just always been a little bit interested. I've never, I'm terrified of snakes. I hate spiders. Uh, so I'm not really into insects, but I just always thought bees were very cute. Um, and I always thought when I retired, how relaxing it would be to have a bee hive and sit out every morning with a cup of tea, watching the bees come in the, their little pollen in their baskets going in and out. Uh, and I just happened to mention this to my brother one day and he goes, oh, he said, uh, I got really drunk one night and went shopping on eBay and I bought, a bee, I bought a hive and I bought all the, you know, the bee gear, I bought everything, the whole kit. And uh, he said, why don't you take it? I haven't got time for it. And I thought, oh, I'm mm, not sure I've really got time for it, but hey, why not? I'll just fast forward my retirement to now. Um, uh, yeah, which I didn't realise how much work bees were. There's no retirement there. Um, and so now I have a gin and tonic at sunset watching my bees bring the pollen in and out. I haven't quite progressed to the cup of tea stage yet.
0: And then I decided rather than it being your retirement, how about we make <laughs> it pay for your retirement? So let's make a business.
1: Yeah, but the business has, I haven't sold a single jar of honey yet, so I'm not sure you could call it a business. I keep giving it away.
0: <laughs> I'm like, mum, this is not good for the profit and lost
1: feet. <laughs> we're having a lot of fun. True.
2: How long ago was that? How long ago was you, you got your first hive?
1: Look, four, four years ago, yeah. I got my first hive. Um, and I wasn't, I'd advise people if they were going to get into bees to probably join a bee club. But for me, joining a bee club was not an option. It's two hours away. So you'd have to drive over, and the, their meetings would be at night time, and you'd have to pay for accommodation, etc. cetera, or, or you'd hit a kangaroo coming home. So I just, typical me, I just went in, bought it, and thought, well, I'll learn on, on the run. Um, and then I did the, all the wrong things. I, kept, I looked at the bees every second day, which when they're settling in, that's not really, you know, if you've settled into a new house, you don't want someone popping around saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, and, and so that disturbs them. But anyhow, they survived. I was very nice. They survived the first, um, uh, the first winter. Uh, and then the next spring, um, I opened the hive up one day and half the bees were there. And I was like, what's going on? Um, they'd swarmed, which is the way bees reproduce. It's by swarming. Um, and, and I remembered we'd had a butcher who came out and used to kill lambs for us and he he talked about having beehives and I just happened to... Funny how things work out in life. I just happened... I didn't know his phone number because he retired and I ran him in the supermarket <clears throat> and, um, yeah, he's become my mentor. So uh, he, come, he comes out and has taught me an awful lot in the last four years with, with beekeeping. Hmm. Um,
2: so when uh, you get so that, the, the hive... Do you actually own the hive or do you, are you renting the hive from someone? Or
1: I, Well, how I did it was, I um, well, I had my brother's uh, beehive yeah. and you buy what's called a nuke. Yes. Um, which is, it's basically got a queen and about four frames. So it'll have um, some honey and some pollen in those frames. And you might have, I don't know, 4,000 bees, something yep. like that in that yep. little nuke. You bring that home. I think that where I got the bees from Sam Lockwood um, at Victoria between um, uh, uh, Orange and, and Bathurst, I think he thought we were complete lunatics, which we probably were. It was a little hatchback car, and we rocked up and said, oh, is it all right if we put the bees in the car? And he looked at it and said, yeah, okay, just keep the air conditioner on because bees get out of the nukes. So uh, we sat <laughs> with this um, nuke of bees in the back seat of the car? Yeah, totally oblivious. I wouldn't advise that for anyone to do that. But anyhow, we got home okay and we didn't get <laughs> stung. So that was all good. So and then when we got home, I had the hive, which is basically just a brood box. Um, so so you have a brood box, you have a top box, and then as you progress with the honey flows, you then put a, a, a super on the top. So you just start off with your, um, your brood box, and then you, uh, you, you take your, your frames out of the new box, which is just a little portable plastic box, Uh, and you place those into your brood box. And then as they they get stronger, in other words, there's more baby bees born, the hive gets stronger. You then put what's called a queen excluder, which is just like a a metal um, cage tile, just a a flat piece of metal, metal bars. So And, of course, the queen bee is larger than the rest of the bees, so she can't get through the the, 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 um, bars, but all the worker bees and the nurse bees, they can. So then that keeps her from laying all her eggs in the top box or the super. And in those top box and the super box, that's where all your honey is stored.
2: And so how many hives have you got now, four years later?
1: Oh, I'm big time. <laughs> I'm being very sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. I've got four more that I'm picking up in the next week off Terry and yes. my mentor. Um, yeah, much to his wife's horror, he got back into the bees again. Um, but... It's actually a very physical job um, uh, with the bees, uh, and and he's in his eighties now, and he just can't. For example, if you've got a, a, a top box full of honey, um, you, you've got nine frames in there. There's five. You, you can have a frame that's got five kilos of honey in it. So you know, like that's forty five kilos you've got to lift off. So it, it is quite physical, and uh, unfortunately, Terry just can't. Um, yeah, he, he just can't lift it anymore. So um, so I'm taking over his uh for. Hives, so uh, that that'll be six hives in the next couple of weeks. I'll have, and I've actually got a, a third hive, but it, it's not actually in a hive box. It's actually a long-strop hive uh, box. It's actually in it, it, it's probably the swarm that I that where that's how the bees reproduce. They swarm, and so it's swarmed and it's gone down into a um, an old piece of machinery. And um, and Terry, I wanted to go and put it into a box straight away, and he said, no, no, leave it. Leave it let it get really strong, and then this spring coming, I will go down and I'll remove it out of the old combine and put it into a hive so then I can control what's going on a lot more.
2: So tell us about um, with the like you're talking about the honey and things like that. how much honey can you expect to get from a hive like are you taking how often are you taking the honey and and how do you do that? How,
1: yeah, how long's a piece of string look it's it, it's nature, so there's no hard and fast rules there. Uh, it depends on the honey flow, so it depends on the season. And, it, like, for me, I'm a hobbyist beekeeper, but for someone like a commercial beekeeper, uh, I went over to a biosecurity course on Varroa mite here uh, about a month ago, and there was um, commercial beekeepers and hobbyist beekeepers like me. And I should say, once you have 50 hives, you're classed as a commercial beekeeper. Mm. Um, and, and there was a guy there had 2,000 hives, wow. uh, which would be a massive amount of work. Obviously, he has employees. Um but he was saying he's cut back from 2000 hives to 600 hives and he's still getting the same amount of honey. Wow. That's not necessarily about how many hives you have, it's how you work them.
2: Okay. So for hmm. example,
1: a, a bee a pr- commercial beekeeper would be constantly looking around for flowering trees. So for me now going into the winter, that's my bees downtime i don't work my bees hard my bees get a pretty leisurely life because i'm not depending on every last dollar out of them um but for a commercial beekeeper they have no other option of making money so they will go and look for things like um ironbark it flowers through the winter so they will then move their hives to wherever the flowering um trees are so you know you might get um if you've got a bad season you might get no honey you might get 10 kilos of honey you might get 60 kilos of honey out of a hive it just all depends on the season to yeah how much flower how much plum flowers or nectar is about basically and like last season um although there was lots of flowering going on because it was a wet year there was very little honey nectar because the rain, every time it rains, it washes the nectar out of the flowers yeah. and washes the pollen out of the flowers. So what you think would be a good year with lots of rain and flowering doesn't always work that way. So, when I you... haven't been through a drought, so I don't know. You've got to basically feed them sugar and water through the drought and you have to put it in a pollen substitute because, you know, in a drought, very little is flowering. But I haven't experienced that yet because I've only been doing it for four years.
2: So when you um, you get the hive, do you have to be very – how close does it have to be to the flowering things? Like do you put it right in the middle of something? Are you planting something near them? Like what are you doing for that?
1: Well, yeah. For me, I've got a hive – I mean we, we live – we're farming over 3,000 acres. So for me, I don't have to worry too much about where I'm positioning them because they fly up to five they, – they can fly up to – Oh, eight kilometers if they're really hungry, but they'll generally fly roughly around five kilometers around mm-hmm. the hive to, to get the flowers. Uh, and it's often you, you often think, ah, oh, there's nothing flowering. There's no trees flowering. I haven't got anything flowering in my garden. There's always a, a grass or a, or a weed. There's always seems to be something flowering somewhere. Like even now we're going into um, we're in autumn and there's not, well, I don't think there's much flowering, but you go out and you watch them every morning and they're still somewhere they're finding a bit of pollen, bringing the pollen in. And they, they need that pollen to make their little bee, bee, bee bread for their babies. Yeah. But, of course, now the, the queens are very clever. She works on the longest and shortest day of the year. So she was already preparing for winter far before we ever do as farmers. Um, she She works on the length of the day. And so she doesn't lay as many eggs because she doesn't want heaps of babies to feed throughout the winter. And, and it's the same with the um, uh, the, the the lifespan of a, a bee in the summertime. They don't live uh, that that long in the summer because they're working so hard. They're, they're flying, um, you know, flat out every day. But in the wintertime, it's too cold, so they don't they don't leave the hive. So they live a lot longer over the uh, in the winter time.
0: Question: What is bee bread?
1: Bee uh, bread. look, it's just a mixture of pollen and and um, or I guess saliva whatever the enzymes that they have in their stomach that they make up to feed to the babies. Mm, yeah, yeah. So they make they make royal jelly out of their glands for the for the um, for the uh, uh, for all their babies. But every every whether you're a worker bee, a drone, or a queen bee, you all get they all get fed royal jelly um, for the first ah. Um, uh, roughly three to four days and then as time progresses the queen bee continually gets fed uh, the royal jelly but then uh, depending on whether you're a drone or a worker bee is you know how much pollen they feed you etc.
2: What's the difference between a drone and a worker bee?
1: So ah in a, in a hive it's basically all run by um females so yes. all bees in in a hive you have your queen bee and the rest of all the bees whether they're a nurse bee a guard bee uh or a worker bee they're all female drones are males
2: ah, okay
1: and and dro- drones are basically not everyone look you ask a beekeeper 10 beekeepers 10 the same question you'll get 11 11- Different answers, but in my opinion, um, drones are bits of uh, freeloaders, so uh, they, they just hang around the hive. They're just having a good time in the hive, keeping warm, eating. They don't go and forage for any honey or pollen. They just lay about, basically. Um, And and when it comes into the autumn, uh, the uh, guard bees will um, uh, kick them out, basically, uh, because they don't want to have to carry them, feed them and carry them throughout the the, uh, winter. So basically the queen decides when she lays an egg, whether it's going to be a male or female. And so, uh, so, uh, an unfertilized egg becomes a drone. A fertilized egg becomes a worker, a female bee. That's
2: extraordinary. That makes sense? Yeah, I didn't know that.
1: That's incredible. Yeah, and, and it's pretty incredible. I um, uh, um, I always get confused with the with the days and, and of them. So so basically, a, a queen bee only takes sixteen days to hatch out in a hive, where a worker bee is twenty one days and a drone bee is twenty four days. But I guess the queen bee is getting fed all that beautiful royal jelly um, in, in the 16 days. And so when you come to um, the springtime, you have to be very careful because, as I said before, the way of reproducing for bees is to swarm. So that, that's what they're aiming to do is to fill the hive full of honey. And then I don't know how it works, but for some reason the, the queen just knows or the worker bees know, OK, uh they'll have a scout bee that'll go looking for somewhere for the swarm to go and then they'll just take they, they'll go and suck up half the honey into their little little um stomachs and they'll disappear and try and relocate that queen and so then the there'll be probably oh look it depends There could be two there could be 10 new um queen cells in, in the hive in the brood box and the first queen to hatch out she will go around and she'll kill the rest of the the uh queens that are that hatch out so that she's left as the queen bee in the well I wouldn't say she controls all the hive all she does in her life is to go and mate and and um, once she'll she'll go out she'll do a mating flight which is just to, uh, to um, a trial flight to strengthen her wings and then um, and then she'll go out looking for drones when you're time poor nature doesn't care about you uh, I was a couple of days late um, actually of just removing the queen cells. And um, I actually saw a queen hatching out of her little queen cell. And the queen cells are quite large, like a shape of a peanut almost. So they're very easy to spot in your brood box. Um, and, uh, and, we, and I saw one hatch out and grabbed her in my hand and she made the, she was vibrating and making this vibrating sound it was quite extraordinary having it vibrate in your hand but she was that was her putting a call out to all the drones in the area that she wanted to be mated to um, and, and she won't mate with just one drone and of course once a drone mates with a queen they die so they have their their um yeah their uh, yeah what would you say one uh, pop yeah, look, look one pop, a bit of excitement and bang they're dead um but she she will she will mate with could be anywhere from a dozen to a couple of hundred drones um and she will never leave once she's mated she goes into the hive and she will never leave the hive again Un- unless of course she um she she swarms you know later on but most queens live to the age of about seven, but a beekeeper would never keep a a queen in their hive to the age of seven because they just don't reproduce enough um enough babies yeah they don't lay mm-hmm. enough eggs so you generally every two years to keep your brood box nice and healthy uh away from disease etc you, you i i'm not experienced enough to breed my own queen um so i'll buy a queen in from a from well it's a bit like buying a, a ram or a, or, a, or a bull from a stud you don't breed your own your own um
2: you know males because so queens, you queens come with certain temperaments, I've learned, that you can have. That, yeah,
1: They do. And, and it's very, very important to get a, a reputable queen breeder. And they will actually mate them. They're, they're mated before you get them as well. So you don't have the risk of them. Because they're not cheap. They're $45 or you know, and upwards to buy. So you, you don't really want your queen on its maiden flight to mate, get taken out by a bird. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got a queenless colony then. Um, so they, they've actually mated them before you, you get them, um, and they—it's quite bizarre because they turned up—they turned up in the, in the mail in a little post bag, um, and I'm sure most uh, people in the post office wouldn't particularly, because a lot of people are a bit scared of bees. But uh, they can't get out; they're in a little queen cage, and they have a couple little uh, worker bees there with them, and um, and uh, yeah, they, they they come in the mail, and then you you can't put them straight into the hive because the colony will kill them uh they've got to be get the, the so you've got you have to find the queen in the existing hive the old queen and you have to remove her and then you put this little cage and it has the, like a little cork um in the end of um marzipan, of, um, marzipan is it mm. and and the bees they, they take so many days to chew it out and by that time they're used to the new queen uh and another another trick is you can it doesn't sound very nice, but the old queen you can actually rub her over the the mesh part of the um, of the new queen in her little queen cage, uh, and that makes them get used to the new queen as well.
2: So the old queen know. the old queen gets euthanized. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Done a yeah. job. That must
1: be she, sad to do
0: though. Uh,
1: uh, yes and no, because if you leave her there, she's just she's just. Yeah, not producing. Uh, you, well, you don't really get that close to them because, I mean, that attached to them, uh, I yeah, uh, because they don't, the bees don't really live that long. It's not like a dog that, you know, you have for 12 or 14 years, uh, or in my case, not that long. Um, they, yeah, you know, like they, they, their life cycle, I mean, different in the time. they live a bit longer. But, um, yeah, sorry, getting back to the question about the temperaments of the bees, the big difference, there's a big variety in the... Uh, uh, different um varieties i i have um italian bees which are generally quite um calm african bees apparently they're really mad bees so i, I would never want those but i i guess you've got to w- weigh up things like you want quiet bees because you don't want to get attacked no one likes getting bitten by or stung by a bee um i i had a, a hive out the back that's formed and it must have been the genetics of the of the drones or something but coming through i called it the bitch hive. it was they were so bitchy when you went out there they were really cranky <laughs> bee um so they were known as the bitch hive but i didn't change the queen with them i was going to because they were just so good at getting the honey I've, and i think that's another thing if you're going to start with bees if you've just got one hive you don't really know you've got nothing to compare it to so if you've got two hives you can compare if one queen's producing better than the other when i say producing it may be you know lots of babies or lots of brood or they might be really good foragers and getting a lot of honey for you um and, and then i had a the the hive out the front they were lovely and quiet but they just weren't producing honey they just weren't good at foraging so i kept the bitch bee queen um and and got a lot more honey like you know, kilos and kilos more honey than, than the one out the front so um yes yeah, so i i then um yeah re-queened her and um yeah it, it's progressing along nicely although you, you just never know you can always they're funny bees that every hive has their own little um personality i can and you can tell. Some days you can go out there and you think, oh, okay, they're, they're not very happy today. I, I think I won't bother opening the box up today. I'll, I'll give it a miss. <laughs> uh, and and other days they're lovely and calm and I can go out with no gloves on. I, I always put a, uh, a veil over my face because I don't like getting bitten on my face But uh, and, and um, you know, no gloves. And then other days you just know, oh, they're a bit cranky today, so you, you suit up with your full suit.
2: So you keep your hive. you said you've got one at the front and one at the back. How close can you put the beehives together? Or don't you do that? Or like you've got four oh, more got, coming. Where where do you put those?
1: Uh, look, for me now, I wouldn't put them anywhere near my house now. I'm actually going to put them on sides of my farm where I know neighbours have got a lot of Patterson's curse, which we chip out so we don't have on out weed. We don't have it on our farm. Um, but they that bees do really well on Patterson's curse. Yeah. It's one of the only plants that they can solely live on. Um, yeah, so I'll move them elsewhere. Yeah, and look, it might get to the point where I have to be a bit more like a commercial beekeeper. I may have to move them to areas. But of course, with the varroa mite incursion, you can't move um, beehives without um, permission from the DPI. You have to get all the paperwork um, wow. for that. Um, and you ex- and uh,
0: Sorry to interrupt, Mum. Can you explain what varroa mite is and its significance in Australia?
1: Yeah, well, it's basically all over the world. It's coming through a port in Newcastle and there's a big exclusion zone in around that Newcastle area now. And uh, they destroyed all the hives they found. Um, uh, and the varroa mites, oh, look, I don't know a lot about them, but I'm learning all the time but they're just like a little mite with little legs and they they crawl all over the the bees. And the problem is you can put chemicals into a hive to kill them on the bees, Um, but that's not great having chemicals in your hive either. But the problem is they actually uh, themselves breed in the drone. Home. so if you put a gas in there to kill them they're on the they're on the bodies they like a, like a big basketball that sucks off somebody's stomach that's the analogy um the varroa mites are mites, very small they're you know smaller than a pinhead um but they they they, they hang out on on the on the bees um, but it's the diseases that they allow in that kills the um, the bees and, and makes the colony very weak and dies out. And, and they're very hard to get rid of. For that reason, that they that they actually breed in the baby cells with the bees. So mm. you can do there's different strategies. You can do brood breaks where you take the queen out so she can't lay eggs, and then you can you know um, put chemical in there but um yeah it's just an animal we don't want in australia because it's another job um it's tough on the on the bees to destroy all the varroa mite and you never get rid of them it's just Mm. a matter of keeping your mite load down lower
0: we were one of the last places in the world that didn't have it so it's a massive massive thing because it's going to have a huge impact on the bees and their ability to live
1: the dpi is doing a great job i mean uh, you know I'd hate to have my hives destroyed but then again a lot of people jump up and down about what the government's done uh, you know like you know it would be devastating That costs you a lot of money to buy all the hives and, and all your all your gear you like you know your protective gear etc you know thousands of dollars and to have that all just burned would be devastating but at the same time we just don't want it all over australia um yeah so uh, they've opened up the borders i think now so you can move bees from you know queensland into new south wales you still can't have any bees in that red zone that they're still all and they're baiting all the um, wild bees that you know are not in hives um it's terribly sad but you know the dpi have done all their the department of um, agriculture is what i'm talking about um they're they're, they're they know what they're doing. They've been overseas and they've, they've been learning from all the mistakes that the other like New Zealand, et cetera, or from all their mistakes, how they got in. So um, hopefully, I know when I was over at the, the biosecurity course in Dubbo, they are actually checking up all out in these Western areas and they're um, testing all the hives and working back into the red zone to make sure that it's not further out than what they thought. But, mm. you know, it only, it only takes one person to do the wrong, wrong thing, you know, and, yeah, it, it affects the whole industry. So, yeah, we just because don't want any rogues.
0: Without bees, this is probably a bit of a silly question. If we don't have bees, plants can't grow.
1: Yeah, you need pollination. And, um, yeah, po- pol- pollination is just a, uh, a, a massive, uh, you yeah, so important to um, to farming. Like, for example, I think um, every muscle out of three is um, through pollination um so so one in every three bites of food depends on pollination so it's pretty important if we don't have bees we basically don't have food um, mm. we, we need we need them to pollinate and and for example the almond in the industry is a billion um worth a billion dollars to um australia um and 50 million dollars um is paid out to beekeepers it's a huge industry for beekeepers um the, the the bees don't actually get a lot of honey out of the almonds but it's just pollination the fact that they pollinate all the almonds um, mm. So, you yeah, know, that, that's a lot of people employed there too, that if bees disappear, that it's gone, you know, like all those almond farms, blueberry farms, strawberries. There's, there's just, yeah, endless. One mm. of my
2: sisters got a beehive in her backyard and um, and the bees. Flow hive? I, I don't know who it is. I don't know, in New South Wales. And, uh, and we're obsessed with it, going to have a look at it because the bees are very docile. But they've got a flight path. And you've got to not stand in their flight path. And so she's laid out this fencing saying, don't stand in this area because they'll just hit you because that's their flight path. So you've got to make sure you keep that clear.
1: Yeah, yeah, they do. You just don't stand in the front of the hive. And you have to always remember when you go around um, bees, which I guess it's quite a relaxing thing to do with bees. You can't be jumpy or move quickly. They don't like quick movement. So you have to be very slow and patient and don't stand in their flight path, which is, yeah, they're just heading straight back into their home. They don't want you standing there and have this thing to have to go around.
0: <laughs> the sausage dogs learnt very quickly with that Yes, one. <laughs> they learnt
1: very, although the, the uh, Jack Russell took a bit longer. She would just, she's very stubborn and she would just stand there and she'd be getting attacked and, uh, yeah, she's now learnt. The sausage dogs don't, as soon as they see me get the smoker, they won't come anywhere near the hive. They just stay, yeah, about 30 metres away from me.
2: So what what does the smoker do to a hive? I've seen it used multiple times,
1: but what does that do to a hive? What what's it do to them? I'm terrible at lighting a smoker. I still haven't learnt the knack of that. Um, it, it basically just um, it, it stops them letting off um, their, their their hazard pheromones, so they okay. they just quieten them. It just sort of yeah, they just become more docile and 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 they don't they don't worry about attacking.
2: Yeah, and that's when you go to yeah. get the honey or going to have a look at them and things like that do you have to use it every time or sometimes you just be able to
1: oh look sometimes i if i'm just having a little peek in the in the top box i'll take the lid off and i, I don't worry about it but if you're going to start pulling all the boxes and get down into the brood box yes you always take the smoker over and you, you know i've always got to restart it you get it going really well and then it, then it seems to dwindle a bit and you have to reload it and yeah yeah so you always, you always as soon as they start to get a little bit active you always just give them a little puff of smoke and it just slows them down again
2: so how many bees in a hive?
1: Depends on how, once again, how long is a piece of string? Depends on how strong the hive is. So, you know, when you get your, your nuke, you might only have 4,000 bees in that. But if you've got a really strong hive, you might have 60,000 bees in there. So, um, you know, y- your average bees about, you know, hive would probably have between forty and 50,000 bees in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, and, and, and they fly... They fly quite a quite a distance. Um, the bees, they that the, there is a, a saying that um, if you've got fifty thousand bees in your hive, um, the amount of flying distance they cover that fifty thousand bees in a day, they they might go to two thousand plants to get pollen and nectar. They could um, the flight would actually go from. Earth to the moon every day. They fly that far every day. So that's why they wear out in the spring, and summertime because they're just flying so, such huge distances. Where in the wintertime, they're just in the hive and they're not using those little wings. <laughs> you don't want to be in the, in the wintertime if it's a warm day of around, you know, anywhere between 17 and 20 degrees, your bees will um, come out for a poo run. So you don't want to be in their flight path on their poo run. What does <laughs> bee poop look like? <laughs> Um, just a brownie, yeah, just a, yeah, brownie sort of a colour. So they have won't ever... poo
2: inside the hive, is that right?
1: No, no, which is good to know when yeah. we eat their honey. <laughs> yeah, they're very clean creatures. Yeah, very clean creatures. Have you creatures. ever seen a bee do a poo poo? Oh, yeah, you'll often see them just do a little drop out as they're leaving. Yeah. I've never they... taken a, never got, never got a photo or video of it, but yeah. yeah. Do they have
0: to like stop? Or they fly no, no, they no. They do it. it.
1: They do it when they're flying. Yeah, ah.
0: yeah. I just so,
1: don't so know that. Yeah, yeah, So sometimes you might be. You, you don't want to park your car out the front of. Someone might have some hives in their backyard in town, and they've gone off on a, a poo run. They might. Um, yeah, you might have a few little splotches on your wind.
2: <laughs> Windscreen. <With the> <laughs> mm-hmm. Tell me when you're collecting the honey. What's the process of that? You've got the honey. Then what happens next?
1: Oh, okay, so you, yeah, you, you've got to go out and you. Um, I, I've just got a wheelbarrow and I take a, a spare hive box out, and you take all. You take. That's one problem that a lot of beginners make. A big mistake they make is on that that first coming out of their first summer, they're really keen to get honey out, so they'll extract all the honey out of their top box, um, and that's the wrong thing. You, you should always leave them at least three or four frames of honey to get through the winter time. Um, so. So in the summer, you know, you might only leave them. If you've got a good honey flow, you might you might leave two two frames of honey there and, and and spin the rest of them out. So you basically just take the frames out. I bring them into the kitchen. Then I have a hot knife, or you can have a, a roller with spikes. But you have to uncap. So when the bees, uh, they'll keep putting honey into the cells, the honeycomb, and then they'll they'll wax it over. Uh, and so you have to uncap the wax. When you come in, um, I mean, the hot bee knife's about three hundred dollars, so that's a more expensive way of uncapping it. You can just use a, a knife and cut the top off, and um, in a warm, put it near a warm fire, or and, and have it drip out. Um, but that's obviously a very slow process. But I've got a, an extractor, so once you've uncapped it, you then and. It's actually quite, it's quite hard physical work to um, yeah uncap it because you've got to hold and it's five kilos you're holding there and you're you, with the hot knife running over it to uncap it and then you put it in the spinner um, and um, some people have a, a spinning machine where you, you, you rotate a handle. Mine's actually got a motor on it so I just flick a switch and it um, centrifugal force spins the honey out of it and then it hits the walls and drains down to the bottom and then you have a honey, ta- honey gate on the bottom uh, and then you, um, I put it through a, a strainer to strain any um, wax and debris out of there, and then you've got your, your raw honey.
2: And then the raw honey, because uh, I believe honey is the only food that doesn't go off; it has no expiration date.
1: That's correct. Yes, yeah, so, uh, you can. They, you can. But honey that's hundreds of years old is still. You can still eat it. It's, it's, it's crazy. perfectly fine. It might crystallize. So, that's, I guess that's a thing in the supermarkets. If, if you see crystallized honey, you'd probably think, oh, I don't want to buy that. But that's actually real honey when it crystallizes. Um, a honey that doesn't crystallize in the wintertime in the cold has had something added to it to stop that from crystallizing. Oh. But I guess that's the thing. A lot of people don't like crystallized honey in the winter. They like their runny honey. Yeah. But if you buy the if you buy the real honey, all you have to do is just warm it up and it and it's, it's becomes runny again. Oh, I didn't know that. What do that. they
0: add to, like, make it not crystallise, like corn syrup
1: or? Corn, uh, corn? I'm not really, I don't do it, so I don't know. Corn syrup or um, sugar syrup. Um, I don't know. They might, yeah, I'm not 100% sure on that. But, yeah, they they add other syrups. And, you, yeah, you have to be, it's, yeah, I don't know enough about all the packaging, etc., to know that what, yeah, um, how good our labelling is here in Australia. But, you know, if you buy from a genuine um, beekeeper, you know, you're going to get real raw honey.
2: And does mm-hmm. your honey change flavour with the seasons
1: or yeah, the times? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely does. Um, it depends on what's flowering to to what the what the honey's is like. Um, I know, and that's another thing. It, the bees' moods depends on what honey flow they're on as well. Um, so, for example, we had a paddock of lucerne right here at our house, um, which makes nice nice um, honey. But when they go in to get the the nectar out, the loosened plant taps them on the head, and they get really cranky with that, getting tapped on the head every time they uh, put their head in the flower. So uh, they're a bit cranky when they're on the loosened flower. But it is is nice. But, um, yeah, so it it does change. At the end of this season, the last lot of extraction I did, there was a bit of a almost a sour taste into a couple of the frames of honey. So I don't know what it was. There was something that they'd... um, found some weed that was yeah it was probably not not, well they obviously thought it was nice and was going to sustain them through the winter but yeah it didn't taste as nice to me the the um and that thing there something that's become quite popular at the moment is honeycomb on on the cheese uh but but it actually takes it it is quite expensive to buy but it does take a lot more effort for the bees because you because it so when you when you i should have said when you're putting your frames you can buy plastic frames and put in And they've already got the uh, honeycomb pattern um, moulded into the plastic. Um, But I don't like those, particularly in the brood box. I don't think the Queen does as well on the plastic. It's okay to... The, up in the in the top box in the supers uh, but I'm, I'm a bit of a traditionalist and I like the the old timber frame which take a lot of time to put together that's the advantage of having plastic frames they're already molded they're ready to go uh, and you, you don't need to probably replace them as often as you do your timber frames so when you get your timber frames you've then got to put these little tiny eyelets in then you've got to put wire um, stainless steel wire through them and, and, and make that all very tight and then you have to actually attach, attach a piece of wax to that frame and the uh, you've got to be very careful about where who your supplier of your wax is as well because you can buy from overseas a uh, very cheap wax but it's got a lot of paraffin in it which you know it's obviously a petrochemical which is not great I don't believe to have you, um, you know, bees putting honey in that uh, because it would be getting your honey could be painted by the, the chemical um, yeah so um, so you're looking uh, yeah. um, for
2: like a pure beeswax sort of thing to put in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah.
1: so, so, I guess that's the great thing about a bees. There's no waste product. Um, so all those uncappings that I was talking about, that you, you where you uncap the honey to spin the honey out, you save all that wax, and then you have you put it you put that in in water, and you you don't boil it, but you just warm it up enough and and all the honey comes out and the wax actually settles on the top. And when it cools, you take that block of wax off. And then you can use that wax um, for wax wraps, which are fabulous for um, your sandwiches. My husband, who's not really into, uh, into things like that, he just raves about how fresh his sandwich is in the wax wrap. It just really keeps it nice and fresh. And it's, you know, everybody's getting rid of the um, single use plastic bags at the supermarket. But so many people still put their um, sandwiches when they go to work in their Glad Wrap or their plastic sandwich bag, these um, wax wraps. They're just um, material and you you put um, coconut oil and wax and you um, uh, paint that with a paintbrush onto the material and that makes a wax wrap. And you can Ah. reuse it time time and time Mm. again. And you probably... look after depends how much you use them and how well you look after them with the cleaning of course you can't use warm water because that melts the wax in them but you just um use you wash them in cold water um you can they last up to six months so yeah. they're great and and i actually all my because i live out of town and i don't get to supermarkets you know sometimes once a fortnight um bananas and that go off quite quickly so i'll always buy you know six ripe bananas and six green bananas and wrap the six green bananas in the wax wrap and they last for Ten days i pull them out and they're you know nice and fresh to eat that's
0: pretty
1: incredible same same with your spring onions and um you know all that sort of um fruit and veg i wrap all those in the wax wraps and they just last so much longer and i know people say oh you you wrap your um spring onions in foil and they last longer but then you know the 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 foil's not reusable where your wax wrap is Mm. and um you can make candles out of the wax uh yeah, so I've had one goat making one candle, but yeah they're 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 beautiful candles, but they do take quite a bit of time. that'd be
2: hard, yeah now that you're getting more hives and all that. what's the future for you guys with this?
1: Hopefully we might turn it into a business as um yeah or, yeah.
0: I've invested Hopefully. enough bloody money in it. It's going to be a business. <laughs> so the way that this works is that mom is the muscle and yep. I am the COO yeah. and we are co-founders. But basically I do all of the marketing. I do all of the, the sort of sourcing of packaging. And we've just had all of our labeling arrive back from our designer, yep. um, which is exciting. So we've got to assemble all of that. But I think that's the big thing is like celebration of what the country has to offer in terms of like, obviously bees as product. Um, That's been an interesting thing. Like mum created her Instagram about Easter last year and we had a really great uptake, like people love bees. It's a really feel good sort of space, which is nice. And so mum's never really run an Instagram page before. And I was like, all right, you got to start filming yourself talking about bees. And she was like, "Oh, I don't know." But to her credit, like I told her everything she needed to do, and she did it. And she ended up growing it by ten thousand followers in the first twelve months. That's incredible. Like one of your one of your videos has like almost a million views, doesn't it?
1: Uh yeah. Well, one just re- recently was fourteen thousand, and um, oh yeah, there was the one where I was cutting up honeycomb, which I thought wasn't yeah. that exciting, but it it went it crazy, went yeah,
0: gangbusters. <laughs>
1: Uh, and i think also i I know i was on a a tram uh uh, not long ago and and i see all these young people on instagram looking at pictures and there's all hype and excitement And i think these poor people they're missing sunsets they're missing the beautiful nature um so you know hopefully on the instagram people looking at at, at the bogan bay site it, it, it's sort of they can, you know, see a little bit of the country. Uh, mm. I don't put all bees. I do put a, occasionally, I put a post up of what we're doing on the farm as well.
2: I love the name, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> The name is so good,
0: so good. When I suggested it, I think Mum thought it was a
2: joke, and I was like,
0: "No, no, no that's, that's a marvelous name.
2: name. You can just see so much potential in that name with it." Oh, thanks so much, Amelia's mum. It was fabulous. Just fabulous.
0: it's amelia here thanks for taking the time to listen to the xyz experiment podcast and don't forget to leave a rating and a review if you enjoyed our show please share it with your family and friends we would really appreciate that and hit that subscribe button follow us on instagram at the xyz experiment for all the latest updates and news and multiple fun facts love that our original music is composed and performed by luke champions